Um, good morning, everyone. Uh, a very, very warm welcome to our uh, morning service. It's great to have you with us. It's great that uh, the weather's a little bit cooler and uh, we can breathe a little bit easier. Uh, this morning, we are continuing our series uh, looking at the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And Neil will be speaking to us a little bit later uh, about the fruit of the Spirit. So we look forward to that. We'll also be uh, welcoming uh, the Ramsey family uh, into membership as well. So before we start, let's just uh, uh, take a moment to still our hearts, uh, to ready ourselves uh, as we journey through the service, uh, being mindful and deliberate that we offer this time now to him uh, as our act of worship, and to pray for an expectant heart. That as we journey through the service, that he, by his spirit, would meet with us, that he would speak to us, uh, and that we would leave this place changed uh, for, that, for that encounter. So let's just take a moment uh, to uh, uh, perhaps close our eyes, uh, to bow our heads, and just to stop, just to uh, let the busyness and the distractions that are around us, that are behind us and are ahead of us, uh, just to put those down. And let me pray. Father, thank you for drawing us together this morning. By your spirit, would you be at work in our midst? Help us lift our eyes to the Lord Jesus. We pray that as we journey through the service, by your spirit, you would speak to us. Would you warm our hearts if they are cold? Would you pour upon our hearts the healing balm of the gospel if our hearts are broken? And would you allow words of praise and thanksgiving to erupt from our lips as we remember who you are and who we are because of what you have done for us in and through the Lord Jesus? We ask this in his name. Amen. Uh, one of the things we're going to be doing this morning is we will be welcoming, in a moment, the, uh, the Ramsey family uh, into membership. Uh, now, uh, particularly for perhaps the younger people uh, amongst us, you might wonder what on earth we're doing that for. Uh, it's important for us to remember that uh, you know, we are not uh, an aggregation of people. We are not a, a sports club or a group of people that are uh, come along here on a Sunday morning for other reasons. We are a congregation. Yeah, we are drawn together. We belong to one another. Who we are is much, much deeper uh, than just a loose association or affiliation of people. We are family. Yeah, we are family. There's a bond. There's a covenantal bond of love that holds us together. We're family. And we are family so that we can grow together in our love and our knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Uh, that we have a commitment uh, to one another. Uh, you to me, me to, to you. We're accountable to each other. Uh, and as members that we have a role. We are uh, not part, we're not just uh, uh, spectators or observers. Yeah, we are here. We're committed to serve one another. We're family. And so it's my pleasure this morning to, uh, to welcome up Stuart, Joanna, uh, together with Jessica and Felicity. Uh, do come up. 
And uh, we're just going to ask you, uh, do you want to just grab the, the microphone as you come through there, Joanna? And uh, now some of you, uh, some of the people here may not know you well. Um, so Joanna, just could you introduce your family uh, to us? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Joanna and this is Stuart. And then we've got Jessica, who's five, and Felicity, who's three. Give a little wave. Um, and we moved from London um, and started here in November. We used to be in Greenwich, so in southeast London, and now we live in Havenham. And what have you enjoyed most so far about uh, being here at, uh, at LCBC? Yeah, lots of things. Let me. Yeah, so um, as you were saying, Saad, the, God doesn't intend us to live the Christian life um, on our own. Um, it's to be lived alongside other people. Uh, and you want that to be alongside people for whom following Jesus is the central part of their life and from the teaching we've experienced here and the friendships we've made and are making um, we found this to be a church where people are serious about following Jesus and want that to shape every part of their lives and that's what we've valued most so far and for, for you membership um, is, a, is a step that you've taken as a, as a family why have you chosen uh, to take that step into membership yeah, well, you expressed lots of that beautifully already, talking about us being family. Um, I think something we were thinking about is just how wonderfully and entirely God commits to us, doesn't he, as, our, um, as his people in Christ. Um, and he also calls us to commit to one another. Um, we see that in lots of different ways, and encouraging one another, and meeting together, and loving one another. Um, and in this context, membership is, is a way of expressing that commitment and enjoying it together. Um, so that would be one of the, the key factors. Great, great. Uh, well, you have a, a Bible verse, I think, each. Um, Stuart, do you want to you just share yours with us? Yes, um, Philippians 1, uh, cha- uh, chapter 1, verse 6. Um, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. Fabulous, great assurance there that he who started it will see it through to completion and uh, And on a similar theme, really, I'm going to read mine out. Thank you, Stuart. Um, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That's Hebrews 12, 1. Great. A great reminder for us to keep our eyes uh, fixed upon the Lord Jesus. Uh, What we're going to do now is I'm going to uh, ask uh, Stuart and Joanna a couple of questions, uh, three questions, and they'll respond to those. And there'll be questions also uh, for us. Uh, to respond to. So we're going to make promises uh, one to another. So uh, can I just invite you all to stand uh, as, uh, as we do this? So first question. Uh, firstly, do you believe in one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, your creator and redeemer, and the sustainer of all things? I do. This is the God in whom I trust. Together we are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Stuart and Joanna as members of this church. Do you promise to share your life and your journey of faith with these people in this place? I do. We are the body of Christ. And the Spirit shares the gifts of grace for service and for witness. Will you use your gifts and talents to serve God and to further the witness of Jesus Christ as members of this church? With God's help, I will. So now there's some words for for us as a church family to say. Now if I could have that. 
So will you, as members of LCBC, promise to share your lives and journey of faith with Stuart and Joanna, walking together in ways that are known and yet to be made known? Will you pray for Stuart and Joanna and do all you can to help them to witness to Jesus Christ? In our life together, we celebrate the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. So we welcome you among us as members of this church of Jesus Christ. Let's give them a round of applause. Uh, and before you exit stage right, there's a certificate uh, for you all. And uh, while you're here, let me just, uh, let me just pray uh, for you as well. So loving God, we thank you for bringing Stuart and Joanna to us. We trust you for the future together as we seek to serve you in this fellowship and in your world. Help us to be generous in time and gifts giving and receiving from each other with humility and patience, encouraging and supporting one another as we walk together in our shared journey of faith and life. We pray with confidence in the name of our Saviour, Jesus Christ, who is Lord of this fellowship and the Lord over all things. Amen. Amen. Please do take a seat. Father in heaven, thank you for the opportunity that we have this morning to come together as church family. We lift our praise to you today for who you are and all that you have done for us. We rejoice that you are our great and mighty God, good and powerful, and we are so thankful that we can come before you and talk to you. As we come to pray this morning, we acknowledge that we are dependent on you for everything, And we're sorry when we trust in ourselves and not in you. Please help us to come to you in our weakness, yet fully confident that you hear our prayers and that you love us so much. We pray for our children and our young people this week, for the young people and leaders going to the Joint Church's Youth Social this afternoon. We pray it will be a great time of fun and good time for friendship building. We pray for the end-of-term adventurism Friday at 7 barbecue this Friday evening and for dads and tots on Saturday. Would these be brilliant opportunities to, to share life with others from the community and from church and to enjoy food and fellowship together? We thank you, God, for our relationship with Long Crendon Primary School, for the opportunities to lead assemblies and workshops this past week and to help with Sports Day on Friday. Father, please sustain teachers and all those working in schools as term comes to an end. Please give them energy and joy in all they do. Father, we long for those who aren't yet Christians to hear the good news of Jesus and put their trust in him for themselves. And we thank you for the opportunities we have as a church to host outreach events for men and for women. We pray for the upcoming men's barbecue in a couple of weeks. That it will be a great time of, of sharing life, and that there will be opportunities to speak naturally about faith with those that come. We pray people will be bold in inviting friends um, over this next week. 
We give you thanks for the recent women's breakfast and where Tash and Val were able to share their testimonies of how you've worked in their lives and for the social evening. We praise you for the guests who came to these events and, and pray they would continue to think about what they heard about you. And God, we take a moment now to bring before you those in our lives who we long to put their trust in Jesus. God, please open their eyes to see their need of a saviour. Thank you, God, for our missionaries who are serving you around the globe. And we give you thanks today for Rene and Simone Koo and for their boys, Johan and Joseph. Thank you that they have recovered from being unwell at the start of their visit. We pray you would give them energy as they visit their family and friends and supporting churches over the coming weeks. Help them to use their time well. And God, we pray that they would feel rested and refreshed in their faith before they head back to Germany in August. Father, we pray today for those who are ill or in hospital, and particularly we want to lift up Alec White, Colin's dad, in hospital after, after suffering a cardiac arrest. God, please heal him. Please give him strength. And more than anything, keep him trusting in you, we pray. We pray for Colin and Vicky as they've travelled up to Scotland to be with the family, and for Colin's mum, and brother. And Father, we pray for, again for others known to us personally who are sick or struggling at the moment, either physically or with mental health. We also lift up to you those who have recently lost loved ones. Father, we pray for the family and friends of Margaret Burt. We pray for David Robertson as he attends his brother Chris's funeral on Thursday. And also for David Savage and Deb, Grace and Izzy as they grieve the loss of David's mum, Sheila. Please comfort them in these days and would your presence be felt as they prepare for the Thanksgiving service on the 20th of July. Father, thank you that you are the God of all comfort. Please be close to all those who have lost loved ones and need your strength. And Father God, as your word gets read and proclaimed today, we pray that you will be at work changing lives, bringing people to yourself and growing your people in their faith. We pray for John Billett preaching this evening at Christ Hill Methodist Church in High Wycombe. We pray for the team from LCBC leading a service at Meadowcroft this afternoon. And as we prepare to hear your word here this morning, we pray for Jen as she reads you that you would give her confidence and clarity. And Holy Spirit, please empower Neil as he preaches. Help him to be faithful and bold and give him joy in sharing your truth. And Father, help us to listen, to understand and be changed to love you more and more. And all of these things we ask in your mighty name. Amen. Today's Bible reading is from Galatians chapter 15, verses 15 to 26, and it's page 1172 in the Church Bibles. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. 
they are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh flesh, with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Amen. Thanks, Jen. Let's uh, pray as we come to God's word. Create in us a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within us. Do not cast us from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from us, but restore to us the joy of your salvation and grant us a willing spirit to sustain us. Amen. This book, um, As White as Snow, you see on the screen here in case you can't see it uh, live, uh, tells the story of Debbie Forrest. Uh, She was a woman who experienced abuse as a child and turned to drink and drugs as a way to numb her pain. It was actually some years later that her own daughter insisted on going to church. And it was there that she she met God and gave her life to Jesus. But as it says on the back of the book, it says, um, as a spiritual new creation in a heroin-addicted body, Debbie struggled to survive as a Christian. Let me just read an extract from from this book. So this is just after she's become a Christian. Soon Debbie's mind and body began to scream out for a return to their old source of kicks. A struggle ensued. Sinister faraway voices deep in her head were calling out for a fix. These became gradually more insistent and more compelling. The body, which had become accustomed to its daily dose of drugs, had begun to rebel at this sudden shutdown in supply. Debbie tried to stifle this renewed craving through prayer, crying in every sense of the word to God for help. She tried to shout down the continuing clamor in her mind by quoting her favorite verses. It worked for a while. There would be a period of relative calm. Then she'd wake up with a start in the middle of the night, and the voices were there again, hammering away in her head, coaxing, cajoling, compelling. Just one hit, a single spliff. It won't do you any harm, just this once. You have the gear here in the house. You can still read your Bible if you like. On and on it went. Debbie was distraught. This had never happened to her before. A month earlier, if she'd wanted a fix and could pay for it, she had it. That was it. No question. Now, though, 
This new life she had received the night she was saved was battling fiercely against the suggestion of any return to her former habits. It felt as though some enterprising promoter had decided to stage the World Wrestling Championships in the middle of her brain. In this series we've been doing on the Holy Spirit um, over the last few weeks, we've seen how he reveals to us the truth. He causes our rebirth. He brings new spiritual life where previously we were spiritually dead. He brings us true freedom from sin. And he brings us assurance of our salvation when we're struggling to know whether or not we are truly saved. Of course, that doesn't mean that the Christian life will be easy. What we'll see from our passage this morning is that when we become a Christian, conflict is inevitable, just as it was for Debbie. Because we've now had our eyes opened to see how we should live in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. And yet there's still sin present in our hearts. We're not totally rid of it. It's what's described as a spiritual battle. And it's important to take that conflict seriously. If we assume now we're Christians, everything will be fine. We'll be in for a shock. Because the devil doesn't want us to belong to Jesus. He wants to take us back under his control. The last couple of weeks we've been looking at how we can make use of the resources that God has, has given us in that conflict. A couple of weeks ago we looked at the command to keep on being filled with the Spirit. It's a lifelong process in which we're growing in maturity and becoming more like Jesus as we feed our souls by reading his word and spending time in prayer. Last weekend, 1 Corinthians 12, we saw how the Spirit enables us to belong to the body of Christ, the church, and gives each of us gifts for the benefit of one another, to encourage and strengthen one another in our faith. We're not in this on our own. We have brothers and sisters walking with us. Well, this morning we're looking at what it means to live by the Spirit. He's the one who leads us and guides us, but we have a responsibility to follow his lead. And it's when we keep in step with him that the fruit of the Spirit will become evidence in our lives. And if we do so collectively as a church, we'll become a beautiful community that is seen to be different from the world around us by the way we live our lives, full of the love of Christ and full of love for one another. So there's two simple points that the passage brings out. We're going to look at this morning. First is if we live by the Spirit, we will crucify the sinful nature. And secondly, we will produce the fruit of the Spirit. So let's look at that first point. If we live by the Spirit, we will crucify the sinful nature. Have a look at verse 16. It says here, So I say, live by the Spirit... And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you're not to do whatever you want. So Paul is pretty clear here that there is a conflict between living according to the flesh, which is what we are by natural birth, and living by the spirit, which is what we become by new spiritual birth. 
Living according to the flesh is putting our own needs first, satisfying our desires, being anxious just for ourselves. Living by the Spirit is to put the needs of others first, those before our own, and to serve one another in love. In verses 19 to 21, Paul gives some examples of the the so-called acts of the flesh, which can be grouped into four areas. Uh, First, he talks about the area of immoral sex, mentions sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, which we can summarize as any sexual behavior outside of the place for which God has designed it. He's given it to us for, uh, for our enjoyment, but that is to be within the marriage between a man and a woman. Sex outside of that context, including the use of pornography, is going to be harmful for us and displeasing to God. And he goes on to talk about false worship, which he calls idolatry and witchcraft, both offenses against God, uh, refer to the worship of anyone or anything, even if that thing is a good thing, in the place of God. And if idolatry is worshipping other gods, um, witchcraft or sorcery, as another translation, goes a step further. That's getting involved with uh, the powers of evil, such as the occult, which can be incredibly dangerous. Then he comes on to broken relationships. So here he says hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. I'm sure we can all relate to all of these. What is it that causes us to act in those ways? Well, isn't it when somebody else has got something we want or someone else prevents us from getting that thing that we want? It's the opposite of serving one another. And we know that even as Christians, none of us is immune from any of these things. And then finally, he mentions the whole area of intoxication. He talks about drunkenness, orgies, and the like. In other words, situations where you are no longer in control of your behavior and then end up doing something um, which is immoral. Uh, It's the opposite of self-control, which, as we'll see, is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, before we became a Christian, if we are a Christian here this morning, we would not be able to see that this stuff is wrong um, because our human nature would tell us, that, well, it's it's just natural, isn't it? Sex is a natural bodily urge. Don't worry about it, just do it, if it feels good. Worship, well, if you don't worship God, then um, there's no such thing as false worship because um, we just do what we like doing. Relationships, well, they're about what we get out of them. It's natural to get jealous or or angry with with other people. That's just normal. Intoxication, well, why not lose control if it gives you a high? And when we become a Christian, we see... This behavior as God sees it. We see it as, as ugly and, and destructive for us and for others. And sometimes God may heal us from those habits miraculously. And we no longer feel tempted at all in the way we were before. But quite often that's a gradual process. And they still have a, a pull on us. And from time to time we may give in to temptation. And that's when Satan or the devil will attack us by making us think just how rubbish we are at living the Christian life, that we might as well just give up. Call yourself a Christian, he'll say to us, just look at you. 
Now the thing is, if we are now aware of our failures, then it actually shows that the Spirit has changed us. He's given us a different attitude towards sin, where previously we wouldn't have even been bothered about it. So in some ways it's more worrying if we're not experiencing that conflict than if we are. Well, how do we win this conflict? Well, there's a direct way and an indirect way, and both are important. Firstly, in verse 24, the direct way says there, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passions and desires. Crucifixion was the worst kind of capital punishment, reserved the worst offences, which is why a Roman citizen couldn't be crucified. So to crucify the flesh is similar to what Jesus said when he said this to his followers. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. To deny ourselves is to not allow our natural sinful desires to rule our lives. And to take up our cross is to to take those sinful desires and nail them to the cross. To say, I'm dead to that way of living. I'm repenting, I'm turning, and I'm following Jesus now. Now, we shouldn't underestimate just how hard that can be. It will be painful, just as breaking free from addiction is hard, breaking free from that self-centered way of living is hard. But it has to be decisive. We nail it to the cross, and we leave it there, and don't look back. The challenge of leaving that way of life behind is um, captured very well in John Bunyan's book, Pilgrim's Progress, which some of you may, may have read. It describes a character called Christian and his journey through life on his way to eternal life, to heaven beyond this life, with all the temptations, all the challenges that come his way and try to throw him off his course. The encouragement is that as we experience that pain, that conflict, um, we are sharing in the sufferings of Christ. After his baptism, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. Unfortunately for us, Jesus passed that test. He, He proved that he was without sin. He remained without sin until his death on the cross. He was obedient to his Father. And as he did so, he was therefore able to bear our sin on the cross. And he gave us his righteousness in exchange. And as he was raised to life, he demonstrated that he had defeated sin. He had defeated death. He had defeated the devil. Jesus lives and Jesus reigns. So although we may struggle with that daily battle against temptation... The ultimate victory has been won by Jesus on our behalf. All of our sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. And we are considered in the sight of God, as the title of that book says, as white as snow. We now have a hope that is based on the promise of eternal life that can be found in Jesus Christ. So when you hear the devil whispering in your ear, failure, hypocrite, Just say to him, as white as snow, Jesus is one. Jesus reigns. The other thing we need to remember is that in that ongoing daily conflict, we don't need to struggle on our own. 
We need to ask the Spirit for his help and then follow his lead. And as we learn to to walk in step with the Spirit, the influence of the flesh becomes increasingly subdued, becomes less and less powerful. Which brings us on to our next point, which looks at the indirect way of dealing with a conflict, and that is to live by the Spirit and produce the fruit of the Spirit. Our back garden, we've got uh, two apple trees. Uh, we've got one which um, looks pretty good, um, if I don't mind saying so myself. I've managed to create apparently the perfect goblet shape that allows light in, allows good air circulation. Uh, the other one I've made a bit of a mess of. It's leaning over, branches are lopsided, sticking out all over the place. just doesn't look particularly attractive. However, last year it was that one which produced the bumper crop of apples, whereas the good-looking one produced lots of leaves but no fruit. If you've got a fruit tree, what you want from that tree is not one that looks good. You want the fruit, don't you? It's the same with us as Christians. It's not about looking good, doing all the so-called Christian stuff. It's about being spiritually faithful. Just as fruit determines the health of a tree, so the fruits of the Spirit indicate the health of a Christian. What are these fruits of the Spirit? Well, they're the behaviors, they're the character traits that result from the work of the Spirit in our hearts. Why is it so important to be fruitful? Well, the Bible tells us in lots of places how important it is. For example, where Jesus said this in John 15. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me. You can do nothing. And he carries on. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So let's have a look at these, uh, some of these fruits in turn. Um, last year when Liz and I were doing our, our camper van tour of the, the UK, um, we weren't just listening to um, absolute 80s. Uh, we were listening to a nice podcast by Adrian Reynolds on the fruits of the Spirit. Um, different one each day. You can still find them on the FIC website. Um, and he made the convincing case that the fruit described here in Galatians 5 relate primarily here to our relationships with each other rather than our relationship to God. So in other words, they're horizontal rather than vertical. And that's because of the context here of the passage. Have a look at verse 13 and 14. This is how he starts this section. He says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so as he comes on to talk about the fruit of the Spirit, first one of those is love. And as with all these fruits, these attributes are supernatural. Um, they're not something that we would naturally do ourselves. Because as we said before, our natural state is to love ourselves before others. We may be able to love people who are lovely, But this type of fruit is able to love the unlovely. It's able to make sacrifices for people without getting anything in return. It's the same love that Christ has shown us. He loved us when we were still his enemies. Joy. 
If we have a relationship with God, then we should know that that deep-rooted joy in our hearts that sustains us through all the sorts of challenges in life. But this joy here is that how do we relate to others? Are we those who bring joy? Or those, are we those who sap joy out of others? Do we rejoice with others when we hear what the Lord is doing in their lives? Like the joy we read about in Paul's letters to the Christians in different parts of the world. And he writes uh, to the Christians in Corinth about their repentance. He says this, I take great pride in you. I'm greatly encouraged. In all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. Peace. The message of the gospel is that we can enjoy peace with God. And so if we're Christians, we are those who can bring peace into all of our different relationships. And that is how they should be characterized. As Paul says in Romans 14, he says, Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Of course, our natural self is inclined to what we looked at earlier. Hatred, discord, jealousy, dissension, etc. If we're to put to death that old way of life, we need to keep in step with the Spirit to seek His supernatural strength. It's not just keeping a lid on our anger and our selfishness, it's actually seeking the heart change that the Spirit can bring. Thirdly, patience or, or forbearance. God has been patient with us when we have rejected him, when we've decided actually we know better than God. The reason Jesus has not yet returned, we're told in 2 Peter 3, is that he is patient with you, it says, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. To show patience is like God, to be slow to anger. And if he's shown patience towards us when we were his enemies, how much patience should we show towards those who may, may hurt us, who may offend us, or maybe those we're just frustrated with? Kindness, another attribute of God. Uh, it's his kindness, we're told in Romans, that is designed to lead us to repentance as we see how kind he is towards us. And we're called in Romans 11 to continue in his kindness. Goodness, similar to kindness, acts of mercy, of generosity towards those in need. We don't earn our salvation through our good works, but our good works are evidence of our faith. And we're following the example of Jesus. As Jesus said to his opponents, he said, I've shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these do you stone me? Faithfulness, when the Bible describes the faithfulness of God, it's talking about how you can trust him to keep his promises. He's totally reliable. He's totally trustworthy. As his people, that is how we should be. I wonder if that is how people would describe us. That we are dependable, reliable, trustworthy. Again, it's a supernatural quality because it goes against our sinful nature, which is to put our needs first, even if it means letting others down. Gentleness. During lockdown, many of us here in the church read the book Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. Um, the title comes from 
the only description in the Bible um, that Jesus uses to describe himself. In Matthew 11, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly, or gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Gentleness is similar to humility in terms of not thinking about ourselves, treating others with respect. Not to be confused with timidity. Jesus was gentle and gentle and humble, but he wasn't timid. He could become indignant at hypocrisy and injustice. And finally, self-control. One of the attributes we're told in Titus and 1 Timothy that elders are expected to possess can be self-controlled in the face of temptation, not giving in to temptation, but it's also when we face unjust accusation. Do we respond defensively or even aggressively? Or do we remain calm and exercise self-control? Which goes against our our natural inclination to, to win the argument, to prove ourselves, to justify ourselves. Our model, again, of course, is Jesus. We read this. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Are we able to exercise self-control and entrust ourselves to God who judges justly? Now, this is not meant to be an exhaustive list of the fruit of the Spirit, but I hope as we've briefly looked at them, you've been struck by just how attractive that way of living is. I hope you want to produce these fruits in your life. How do we do that? We have to remember we can't do it in our own strength. They are the fruits of the Spirit. It is He who produces in them. It's up to us to Remain in the vine, as Jesus says. But they are the fulfillment of the promise that um, Ezekiel said, that God made in Ezekiel when he said to his people this. He said, I will give you a new heart. I will put a new spirit in you. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. If we are Christians, we have been given the gift of the Spirit. We have new life in Him. And we've seen this already in this series, haven't we? And so we need, as it says in verse 26, to keep in step with the Spirit. And that happens when our desires for God's way are stronger than our natural human desires. And because of the conflict that is at work within us, as we've talked about already, unlike Jesus, we will not be able to display any of these fruit perfectly in this life. But we pray that the Holy Spirit will help us to grow in each one of them. And that each one of them will become more and more visible to those around us. Well, as we finish, notice Paul is not addressing the Christians here as as individuals. He's saying in verse 25, since we, the church, the body of Christ, live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That word keep in step is used to describe soldiers in military formation. And I don't know if you watched the coronation of King Charles. Whatever you thought about it, 
he couldn't fail to be impressed by the precision of the military processions. 6,000 members of the armed forces walking perfectly in step with one another. How do they do that when they were spread over about a mile? Well, the pace of precisely 108 beats a minute was set by the bass drummers in each of the 19 processional bands. They also had earpieces to enable them to strike up at exactly the same time and maintain the constant beat. It was a wonderful picture of unity and order with everyone playing their part. Let's pray that we will march to the same beat, that we will keep in step with the Spirit. And as we do so, that people will see that our lives are different. They will want to, to know why that is. They will want to know how they can have their lives changed by Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you that he's given us new birth, new life. Thank you that he's enabled us to see that that old way of living was not one we want to continue with. He's enabled us to turn and to follow Jesus. Thank you that it's he who gives us the power to resist temptation, to resist those natural desires that are still part of us, that conflict that we still experience within us. Father, we pray that by the power of your spirit, you would put to death those old desires, that you would fill us with your spirit, that we would produce the fruits of the spirit in increasing measure. We pray that all those old desires would fall away, that they would become less and less powerful as we keep our eyes focused on Jesus. So Lord, come, change us, change our hearts, that as our hearts are changed, you'll be seen in our changed behavior. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're just going to uh, spend a few minutes now just, I guess, reflecting, pondering, uh, and praying, allowing the Spirit to take His Word and allow that to settle into our hearts. Uh, As we've journeyed through uh, this series, uh, you know, we've been looking at the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And as Neil's pointed out, it reveals the truth. It gives new birth, it's freedom, and this assurance that there is no condemnation, that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That he fills us, he gives gifts, and we bear fruit in our lives as the outworking of that assurance. And so we're just going to spend a few minutes, perhaps uh, keep the Bible open uh, to the passage that we had read uh, today, uh, Galatians 5, uh, 13 through 26. And this list will just be up. And just prayerfully ask yourself and ask the Spirit just to speak to you. Uh, Is there an aspect of 
um, of the work that he's doing in your life and that you long to see more of. Is there a place where perhaps you're quenching his work? Is there some assurance that you struggle to appropriate and allow that to shine brightly in your heart? Do you feel distant and you want him so much to be present in your life, for your heart to be full to overflowing with his presence? Perhaps you want to see that work in your lives that you might bear in great abundance like Neil's lopsided apple tree fruit to overflow so let's just spend uh, two or three minutes uh, and just pray and ask him to reveal to you where he's at work and where perhaps you need his help and then We'll have a time of singing, of rejoicing that God is at work, that we have been rescued. So a time of quiet to pray. Uh, That does uh, bring us uh, to the end of our service. Uh, My prayer remains that uh, the Lord would have met with you this morning by his spirit, that uh, Uh, He would have touched your hearts, you would have had your hearts warmed and drawn to him, your eyes uh, lifted to him. Um, If you would like uh, some prayer, if the Lord has spoken to you, don't leave this place without praying with someone. Pray with the person you came with, or if you find somebody with a a red lanyard, uh, please do grab them, pray uh, with them, but don't leave uh, without praying. And please do join us for uh, refreshments uh, afterwards, it would be great uh, to spend some time together. Uh, Let me close, I I guess, incredibly aptly with our verse uh, for the year. Uh, May the God of hope fill you with all the joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope.